Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where love is dead, so we might as well enjoy ourselves. Book number 66, Who's to Blame? Elizabeth is running away. So does that make me Miss America? Oh my God. <laughs> so I have two actors with me today. I'm Marissa Flaxbread. Hi, welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. Welcome back to Sweet Valley Diaries after an accidental and unplanned hiatus that I am both sorry for and also like, listen guys, it had to happen. Uh, I'll fill you in later. I'll record some kind of extra addendum where I tell you all the story of of everything. But um, it's great because this is a podcast that uh, covers a series of books that's from many decades ago. And, you know, it, they're still going to be there for us whenever we chime in to read them again. And I'm so excited. It was totally worth the wait to have with me both famously from book number 65, uh, Rebecca Russell. Hello again. Hello again. I'm so excited to be here. And for the first time on Sweet Valley Diaries, the wonderful Summer Austin. Why did you laugh at that? Um, because it's like, <laughs> g- listen, we've been trying to get her for we months, have. for years, and uh, for the, finally making her appearance I'm on the so great. I'm so excited. It's the it's the spot that ev- you know everybody, every actor, comedian yes. wants to wants yes. to book mm-hmm. is Sweet Valley Diaries. That's and why I'm back. Yes, this is the best, <laughs> and also um, I think it's the best book. The best book. Okay, <laughs> so off to an auspicious start. We are, of course, reading. Who's to blame? This um, for anybody who has forgotten uh, in the intervening weeks, we are in this like Wakefield parent separation saga. And uh, in the last book, Ned and Alice Wakefield did indeed uh, separate after Alice rode her horse away <laughs> from her family in Tragic. the in the Lake Arrowhead or wherever they were, and. The important family vacation. Yeah, she had to get back to do her important mall designing work. It was a mall emergency. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rebecca was my guest for that. And I was. Very so now we're adding another member of our of our trio yes. back into the mix with Summer. Well, and for the first time, really. Sure, but the mix has existed since before the podcast existed. That's true, our mix. Can we talk our about mix. how we three are tied together for life now? Sure. I mean, it's a continuation of the tale that already has been told in the previous episode. So, gladiators, if you go back and listen to the extra drama for book number 65, just add also add Summer in to that story. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That pretty much We all started it. a not-for-profit in Chicago together. It was the three of us. Okay. I really, I'm glad you got that out because I really felt like I was pouring a bucket right on your enthusiasm. Like, oh, we're going to talk about how we know each other. <laughs> No, 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 no. And also, you're right. We did spend an, an awful lot of time talking about that last time. It so was we don't great. Need to, yeah, I, it was just great. Ha- I just happened to get to re-listen to it because I, you know, edited it. Um, Let's talk the about words. the cover of Who's to Blame. Before and we talk about the actual picture, can we talk about this little thing on the side that says, Be the next Sweet Valley Reader of the too. Month. See the back of the book for details. Oh. What is that? I never, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, and I didn't know that was a thing. You I could be said- the... What, of the month. what year did this come out? Because I'm wondering how I missed... This is my first time reading a book of theirs. And I'm wondering how I missed this whole... Like, I that's, was aware of it, but... That's your... That's... Wow. I know. I'm looking right now. <laughs> July of 1990 is when this came out. 
it is really weird that you. That it is you really weird. It w- I would have been the right age for yeah. it. No, like precisely, mm-hmm. I think. But you, now you now you're done to <laughs> now, catch up. <laughs> I get it now at forty four, which is mwah, incredible. If you, if you had been reading it, then you could have been the Sweet Valley Reader of the Month. I could have. Been. Shall we see the back of the book for details? Yes. What does that mean? Um. You want to read it somewhere? You can we read still this? be? Read. <laughs> can we still? <laughs> Let's write to Francine Pascal, who I'm, I don't know if is, and lo- is with us anymore. Um, she is. Yes. She is? Still oh. making trouble, yeah. Oh, great. I love I love, I love. love these books. I want to read all of them now. Okay. okay. I know where you can get Sweet them. Valley High. <laughs> Could you be the next Sweet Valley Reader of the Month? Enter Bantam Books' Sweet Valley Contest and Sweepstakes in one. Calling all Sweet Valley fans, here's a chance to appear in a Sweet Valley book. We know how important Sweet Valley is to you. That's why we've come up with a Sweet Valley celebration, offering exciting opportunities to have your thoughts printed in a Sweet Valley book. How do I become a Sweet Valley Reader of the Month? It's easy. Just write a one-page essay, no more than 150 words, please, telling us a little about yourself and why you like to read Sweet Valley books. We will pick the best essays and print them along with the winner's photo in the back of the upcoming Sweet Valley books. Each month, there will be a new Sweet Valley High Reader of the Month. And there's more. Just sending in your essay makes you eligible for the grand prize drawing for a trip to Los Angeles, California. <gasps> That's where we are. So we are. It's like we already we won the sweepstakes slash contest or whatever they called it. This once-in-a-lifetime trip includes round-trip airfare, accommodations for five nights, economy, double occupancy, a rental car, <laughs> and meal allowances. Approximate retail value $4,500. Don't wait. Write your essay today. No purchase necessary. See the next page for official rules. Shall I read those? I'm sorry. <laughs> Look at those rules. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, it's, the, tiniest it's the smallest print I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to be honest. I feel like I missed out on this. I didn't know. I That's know. quite a prize. Well, yeah. I am excited, actually, now to take a look in the future books and see if some of these <gasps> got printed. But there's a listener named Christina who I just posted a picture of this on Instagram yesterday. And she was... is. Um, highly suspicious that this is some kind of some kind of scam because <laughs> sometimes they would have these things in the back of the books where it's like you could send in a dollar fifty and Uh-oh. they would send you something. Pay but to play. I think that this because no to... purchase necessary yeah, uh-huh. I mean So is this the first time this little seal appeared? I haven't seen it before, yeah. I haven't mm. seen it either. So could be in for some interesting hundred and fifty word essay the plot thing. I was trying to think if in high school Sweet I would Valley do if it would have been worth universe. it to me to do what I would have considered like homework. Like a hundred and fifty word essay would be like homework to me. And I was so just... anti homework in my life. So I probably would have been like Oh, they want me to do homework. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, this is definitely my Elizabeth showing, but I was like <laughs> one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty words. Like that's nothing. Like that's no kind of essay. <laughs> so that's like essay. a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, right. <laughs> well, so the we should talk about the picture on the cover as well. Oh, she's um, so sad. Oh yeah, sad girl Elizabeth. She's wiping a tear away. One can only assume. That's what it looks like. She's a beautiful. Or she's barrette. popping a zit, but I think she's wiping a tear away. Oh, poor thing. She doesn't have zits. She's she doesn't Elizabeth. Have zits. That's right. Wakefield. Her. She's a Wakefield. She's a Wakefield. And she has a lovely leather backpack, and she's wearing a striped shirt, and she looks very downtrodden. 
I feel like this is a shirt I would wear if I were going sailing. I'm just gonna throw that she's out there. She's in fashion now. Yeah, it's a very fashionable. Yeah, she's very classic. That, yeah. Classic beauty. Too. Well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Summer. So you said that this is your first Sweet Valley book. I think so, unless I blacked out, which I might have blacked some of it out. <laughs> I think I was too busy reading like Madeline LeIngle novels and reading Teen Bop at that time or something. Oh, that's very wholesome. Yeah. I think now, I think adulthood is a great time to come into <laughs> Sweet Valley High. I feel like you guys are, you must have been, when did you, because you would have been very young in 1990, both of it's you. It's interesting. I think they're, this is a guess. I feel like they were written to be read by high school students. Because the Wakefield twins are in high school, right? I was probably reading them in middle school. And I feel like in, by high school, I was like, that's beneath me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like even though they were probably written for high school students. I definitely remember them. Like, middle school, these I was reading sort them. of Norman Rockwell-esque like, portraits on that's the front. Really... I definitely, I mean, I know what they are. Was there a TV show? Yes, there okay. was a TV Didn't show later. It. That okay. was like later in the 90s. I definitely feel like the paintings the the portraits on the front are a huge draw for me even to this day They're beautiful i uh did not read these books when i was growing up i discovered the sweet valley high books when i was in my early 20s uh at tail end of college and really fell in love with them but part of that is because i had read a series of books called sweet valley twins and sweet valley kids that were yes. geared at even younger yes. kids and it was the those. same characters okay but they were younger oh and actually now it's kind of interesting because the twins books are in 1990 when when who's to blame came out the twins books are well underway and you can see how they've started to kind of affect the storylines and like the lore, the canon of yes. the Sweet Valley High yes. as well. I mean, I, I eagle-eyed readers can. I can't exactly. <laughs> no, I can see that because uh, so I read the Sweet Valley Twins, and that got me in. Like once I read all of the Sweet Valley Twins books, I was like, I must read the Sweet Valley High books now. And I got into those like late middle school, so I was probably like thirteen or fourteen years old when I got into the Sweet Valley High books. Yeah, because I wasn't allowed to touch th Sweet Valley High when I was in sixth grade. Too racy. It's way too racy. Oh yeah, very tawdry. They yes. mention underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they do. This is like, this is tame. <laughs> this is tame really is, for yeah. for. Sweet Valley High. And there oh, were really? opportunities for things to happen. There really were. Surely. There were. Yeah. Um, well, so let's start at the very beginning, right? A very good place to start. I just have a real quick question, mm -hmm. though. Does it only follow the Wakefields or does it like, does it do these books follow all the different characters? The books follow all the different characters, but every book is sort of centered in some way or maybe not centered, but the Wakefields are a pivot point for every book. Like mm. there's not a book where there are there just are no Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield. Got it. The twins specifically. Okay. Um that's the helpful. level of being focused around the Wakefield family is sort of unique uh, to this to three this book series. Yeah. yeah. This is the most I knew about the rest of the family in yeah, reading the these the books. Family drama. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning, we've got Ned, he's packing up his uh car and moving <gasps> down the street to an apartment. I find it 
really funny that the first thing Elizabeth or Jessica, I can't remember, one of them thinks about their father is how sexy he is and how he's going to bag all the chicks. I've yes, got it here. Is Elizabeth. Yep. <laughs> I've got it. I'm staring right at it. This is the page I dog-eared. I love how... Like page one or two or I, I love this. And also, longtime listeners are loving this as well, that like you've just said you never read one of these books before. We made a whole big show about how Summer's never been on the podcast before. And clearly, like it's not like you're somehow secretly a big listener to the podcast. So, even so, you still tapped right into the thing that's like, we gotta talk about this. We gotta talk about this. Oh, yes. Okay, here we are. A lump formed in Elizabeth's throat as she watched them pack the car. You'd never guess that Dad is old enough to be Stephen's father, Elizabeth thought. Both had dark hair and eyes, broad shoulders, and nice smiles. Stephen looked grown up for his age, and Ned Wakefield still looked young. Young and handsome, Elizabeth thought with a pang. Think of all the women who are going to want to date him once they know he and mom have separated. The thought made her feel miserable. I I should have just stopped at young and handsome Elizabeth thought with a pang because that would have... What the heck? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I've never looked at my dad and gone, he's so handsome. I've, I've looked at my father and wondered if women find him handsome. I don't know if that is, if they do or not. I know his personality is very attractive. He's very charming. I have no idea if they've looked at him physically because I don't think I can judge that about my own father. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, oh, I, I can that judge that about sense. my own mother. That's weird. That's... Maybe it's because I'm not attracted to women and women judge other women. Maybe that's why. Mm. We just keep talking until you get to like, figure it out, Rebecca. I'm not going to. I'm going to stop just in case any, either of my parents listen to this. They're going to be like, no, what I think that is makes, she saying? I think that makes total sense. There are certain yeah. people where it's just like, I have no. And your dad <laughs> should probably be one of them. Where you're like, I have no sense. I have no yeah. I have no rubric here. But um, yeah, so Elizabeth, it, the idea of this separation is like, it's going to be temporary. But I mean, the kids all feel like it's their family is falling apart. No. Oh, is it going to be? Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be temporary. <laughs> Don't you're, ruin it for us, Marissa. But you're not wrong yeah. that, it, that it never really is. And I, I think it's interesting, actually, the way that, like, something good I will definitely say for this book is that it feels like it is offering a little bit of emotional support through a dramatic arc for kids who yes. might feel like I agree. Yeah. they're the re- they're parents are breaking up because of them. But it's false hope to get them back together. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I have seen it happen once, and I think it was a mistake when it happened. So oh, the parents I'm not going to say who after because, yes, because many people I know might know the people that I'm talking about. So <laughs> oh, gosh. the only time I ever think it's it was a mistake to uh, get back together. Well, so I said that the kids were all really broken up about the separation, but that's not totally true, right? Oh, right. Jessica. Jessica. Well, I, it turns. Mm, go ahead. Go ahead. Spoil it for the reader. She's like sublimating her yes. her bad feelings and and she's really taking sides with Ned with her dad, right? And my guess is she's more the wild child kind of a narc maybe has oh, yes. a narcissistic no, go ahead, you're right. personality <laughs> traits, right? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely she she's is. like the bad twin. Yeah, she's the bad twin yeah. and she um, you know, manipulates the situation to her advantage. Yes. Uh, she even has her clear. friend Lila basically tell her like, "Oh, it's going to be great, Jess. You know, your you, when your you parents are divorced, it means that you can yeah, you can exactly. get whatever you want, mm-hmm. play them off each other." It's this is interesting to me because while okay, I'm going to preface this by saying I am a child of divorce, mm. and I was an older child. I was in college when my parents got mm. divorced, right? So I, I'm just going to preface this with that. To me, reading it, 
she was act- it wasn't that she was all happy go lucky it's that that was her trying to make herself feel better about the situation yeah because i noticed a lot of stuff that i was doing mm, during my parents yeah. divorce where i'd be like it's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine this is gonna turn out being better it's gonna be better for everybody this is gonna work out like i just kept sort of saying that out loud mm-hmm. almost to convince myself so i think yeah. she was probably feeling the feels of course yeah, but I this is her so way of because dealing she has with that it situation later on yeah. where it all comes out yeah and she does have a moment early on in the book where i actually found myself really identifying with her not about this situation but in general which is that steven keep steven keeps coming home from college and he's jessica is picking parts of him about how often he's coming home mm-hmm. but she's steven and elizabeth are both like we need to take this seriously we need this is bad and jessica's like I, can you guys shut up about how bad it is? Yeah. Like, and I, I feel that way all the time. Like, I'm yeah. like, we don't need to be reminded about things being bad. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I'm yeah. not trying to pretend that it's not. I just, I'm aware. Like, this is a thing in life that I find myself thinking a lot. So I, I yeah. can relate. Yeah. So she's trying to sort of like live her life and she accept. wants some levity in the situation. Mm-hmm. That's and, and horrible. And they really don't have any control over it, right? Yeah. So what's right. the point in in trying to, I don't know. Stephen and Elizabeth both do are doing something nice though, which is that they are trying to support their mother. Yes, they're trying to like be there for her, but that also seems a little bit like their version of coping. Like, yeah. just Alice yeah. doesn't really seem like she needs them around to no. comfort her, and neither does she's the dad. I mean, yeah, to deal <laughs> with. <laughs> she's doing herself and her work. Certainly, that's how her coping is going. It's interesting that we that Jessica and Steven get into fights. Do you ever notice? I don't know if this happens with you all as well, because we're all dysfunctional families, right? When you're <laughs> when you're um, about to say goodbye to a family member, or it's like getting towards the end of a visit, or anything like that, you tend to fight. Because I'm like that with my oh, my yeah. family. Oh my god, I just we did always that. get into really big fights right before, and I think it's mm. the human desire to stay with the person, and you feel like you're grasping at straws at that point. Like mm. I want to be with this person. And also, I've had too much of this person mm-hmm. at the same time, and that's why you get into those fights, because it's coming too close, you're almost there, you're almost at that, I get to breathe, I get to be in my home by myself, or I get to be in my own bed, or whatever it is that you're getting to the end of, but at the same time, you're like, I miss this person in my life, and I don't want them to go, so you're still grasping at trying to keep them in, in your life a little bit longer, and that's where I think that those arguments come from, and I feel like that's what's happening Let's get super psychological with Jessica and Steven Spites. But I feel like that might be part of what's happening is that they are desperate to be close to one another and keep family together. And so Mm -hmm. she's mocking him for being close all the time. And why is he there all the time? Even though she subconsciously really wants him to be there all the time and needs that. So it's an interesting psychological study of the Wakefields, I suppose. They They definitely are like constantly clearly picking fights about stuff that saying things they don't really mean Mm -hmm. and there's one point where they're having a big fight and jessica says something like or the book says of jessica she felt she felt good (laughs) yeah like having her feel good um because she was getting stuff out this is just a question where in the country is sweet valley i know it's like california it's california yeah Yeah, it's like la area okay and does he go to Sweet Valley University? I think <laughs> the book Valley calls College? it Sweet Valley College. Yeah. But Sweet yeah. Valley University Valley is the next series in the in the series <laughs> of, of these Sweet Valley books. But yeah, is they really? do go on. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. 
So. Oh, there's also separate sagas that follow the different families, the major families, oh like Lila Fowler and her family. And I don't know why these aren't turned the into Patmans like Marvel the, isn't like doing. I don't know why either. <laughs> I know. Maybe right? we I feel like kids would eat this up. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, talk about I, I, universes, it's, yeah. especially like a version of it that is like set in the '90s or the '80s. Oh, still. for sure. That's the '90s is so popular. Nostalgia right now, buzz. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of nostalgic things. Um, Jessica has her own continuing saga from the uh, previous the teen book. line. Are oh, you going to talk about the teen line? Yes. Yeah, why don't oh, you tell us your thoughts oh on the teen line? Oh my God. I love the teen line. Never spoke on one myself because my parents would have killed me but I was I was so glad I was like this is so good like I think it's very well written I have a friend who did you guys ever talk on a teen never never my friend on the 900 numbers were very popular yes at this time when I was growing up and uh I remember my friends didn't get in trouble for party line but do you remember Miss Cleo yes oh my god I had a friend who ran up so many phone charges calling Miss Cleo and her mom saw the bill and she was so grounded from that so (laughs) I wanted hundreds of dollars oh yeah Yeah. I wanted to call all of them but yeah I love it how like Jessica has entered into like the modern day like online dating I love it I'm like you know it's yeah well and you missed the last book as we were introduced to it and both Marissa and I were kind of going Jessica come on we all know you don't call 900 numbers they're too expensive because like as she was like she was so excited to do this and couldn't see the harm in it and oh, all so the you things. you wait to this to have her right. mom get the bill. Yes, and so her mom where, get the bill, this book. <laughs> where we left things was that she, she's not really calling the party line anymore. She's no. Now she's just calling Charlie Ryan directly, right. but they still haven't met. She broke herself of the habit of the teen line. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we had this theory <laughs> that Charlie wasn't really even a real teen. You I know? really wish uh, she wasn't a real teen. I know, right? The way this ended up unfolding is sort of surprising, but so she's she's finally she's like her friends are basically treating her like she's got a George class on her hands like she's not really she doesn't really have a boyfriend at all. I love yes. that reference. Oh, thank George you, Glass. Thank you. I was hoping it was going to be another teen's dad divorcee. <laughs> well, so okay, so our theory was that he was like trying to get okay in the previous book he was the popular guy because he was very interesting and cool and funny and clever and very popular romantic on the teen line, on the teen line. Yeah. oh on the yeah line. so the other girls wanted to talk to him too and that was what turned jessica on that she could fight for his attention and was winning and and all of that right and so our theory was that he was there to bring in other teens <gasps> and he wasn't a real like he was sex, being, like being paid. sex trafficker. Not so, no no like he was being paid by the teen line company to like bring in more teens to the teen line. Yes, oh my god, because they want to talk with him. Because they want to talk with him. Yeah, that was but, our that was our theory. So so at the the bill is kind of like long forgotten at this point because she's not using the teen line anymore. Mm-hmm. But it finally comes and um, Alice is excited because she's been looking for the phone bill. So that she can like split expenses with like they're trying to arrange like how to pay the bills together. I think she's genuinely excited, too, because she has a reason to talk to her ex-husband who she misses, but is separated from. So I think she's actually genuinely excited about the phone bill. Or maybe she's going through that phone bill and seeing if he's calling anybody. What was the nature of the separation? Was it just what they say or was there some? It is exactly what they say. Mm, That's boring. It is pretty boring, actually. (laughs) They're, They're like 
basically having a big tantrum, like a, an adult they're tantrum. They're both having adult tantrums. And I think at the end, by the end of the book, they're sort of catching wind to the fact that they did something really crazy. Like they made a really irrational choice for really bad reasons. Yeah. Um, so it's like they're you just not communicating. They're both yeah. throwing fits. What was the bad choice? To separate. Oh, to like, right. like yes, that's a bad choice. I mean, it doesn't seem like logical. If one of them cheated, I guess I get it. But no, they just were both having really successful careers, essentially. And it was like <laughs> we can't all spend time together supporting each other's careers, can we? Yeah. No, only one of us can be successful. There's like a lot of buildup. And like very little resolution. Right. Well, third book to resolve. <laughs> yeah, there's a third. It, there's a unusually, third yeah, yeah. So here's uh, when Alice opens the uh, bill. She's really mad. Alice Wakefield was furious. How could you possibly do something so irresponsible, Jessica? Honestly, I don't know what you could have been thinking of. These calls cost a fortune. She scanned the bill. Eleven dollars on the eighth. Fourteen dollars on the ninth. Jessica, this is ridiculous. Jessica shifted uncomfortably. I told you, Mom, I didn't know how expensive it was at first. The minute I found out, I stopped calling. She stared defensively at her mother, unwilling to let herself be put in a bad light. Then, suddenly, she had a brainstorm. Maybe there's a way to get out of this. Besides, I only started calling the party line in the first place because I was lonely, Jessica protested, crossing her arms. I didn't have anyone to talk to, and you and Daddy were so busy fighting with each other that I couldn't even turn to you guys. There, Jessica thought defiantly. <laughs> but her mother didn't look very impressed. Jessica, blaming something like this on your father and me isn't fair, and you know it. The fact is, I don't like your attitude at all. It's bad enough being irresponsible and running up a huge bill, but trying to hide it and blame it on others is even worse. And so she threatens to take away Jessica. Basically, she's not going to give Jessica her allowance. Jessica's like, I'm calling daddy. I mean, she thinks this to herself. And she ends up creating more trouble, which nobody ever holds her to account for she's when she's never starting held to... accountable for her. Which BS. one, Jessica? Yeah, Jessica, like when yeah. they're starting to talk about whose fault is it that what happened where. I mean, obviously that's all bullshit, but mm-hmm. there's never a moment that's like, "Hey, Jessica, you think you might actually be making things worse between your parents by, by... playing them against each other <laughs> yeah. for your own gain?" Yes. Why did? Are they popular? It seems like they're popular. They're very girls. popular. Okay. Yeah. So, so why is Jessica so lonely? It's nonsense. The only reason she started calling the party line is because she felt like she'd gone through all the boys at the high school. Oh, yeah. that's why. Oh, I love it. I and love she like wa- or like she wanted <laughs> to do something character. different. Like she w- thought the one way to really impress her rich friend Lila would be to find a new kind of boy. So mm-hmm. she's been on these, this mission to like find a new. She kind She always of boy. wants to show Lila up. Mm-hmm. Her best friend, in fact. This seems like to me, it's like it's like um. Kind of like a euphoria, but without without all the <laughs> oh, I haven't consequences <laughs> and racy without all the like, sex. Let's just it's say like um, white bread euphoria. I it's seen like white yeah. bread euphoria. No, I know. I wonder if euphoria, euphoria was like actually partially inspired because it is supposed to be like somewhere in the L.A. area. I mean, I think it's probably inland. Wait, Empire. do I need to start watching Euphoria now? Oh, it's I like it. I have not seen Euphoria. I mean, that's, I know it's up to you. I don't. I think. You'll <laughs> do you see like? Do you like teen drama? Uh, yeah. Do you like teen drama with lots like, of provocative sex? Yeah, is it's it like teens t- having sex. It's like teen yeah, drama. Yeah, but they're not really teens. Oh, they're actors really playing so, teens. You know what, Rebecca? The reaction that you just had is really like healthy and sane. No, it is. And nobody has been. New- is it teens having sex? Ew. <laughs> no, most of my friends are disgusted by it, but they're adult people. Oh, it's like people who are thirty-five who look like they're eighteen, maybe. Maybe like in their twenties, but yeah. 
Oh, they look like yeah. their high school kids. All right. Yeah. Attractive people having sex that look like and they're Mick, of age. Mick Steamy or Mick Dreamy or one of those guys, isn't it? Is the dad. Uh, Patrick Dempsey? <gasps> I love Patrick Maybe. Dempsey. No, I don't think no. so. Okay. <laughs> but anyway. He one of my faves. Um, I, there is definitely some crossover in um, the mood, but just like way, like way darker. Like just turn the dial to drugs and sex. and Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to guess there's no it. drug problems in Sweet Valley. Sometimes. There oh. have been. There have been books that have been It's Yeah, it's like Stay by the Bell's caffeine addiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so what's going on with Elizabeth? Now let's go back to Elizabeth. We, I mm-hmm. mean, Jessica's story plot will come back to as well, but we've got her, I mean, we, oh, I don't think we've really so described her state. sympathetic and empathetic and she's taking on everything onto herself as though everything's her fault. She's that sensitive child who truly believes that, and I don't know why she believes it. She's smart enough to know better, I feel like. Yeah. But she really believes that. Her parents are getting divorced because of things she's done. You really empathize with Elizabeth, don't I you? Do. Well, and she she's really like, I don't know. She's it, I, she seems kind of like she's having a depressive episode or something. I sure totally she agree. is. She can't. It's like she's she can't focus on anything at school. Um, we actually there's not not much comes of it. But guys, Collins Watch 2022. Uh, Mr. Collins, Collins. yeah. Wait, what? Her teacher, Uh, favorite teacher. So all it's not very much, but we do have this this line. Um, All during English class, Elizabeth was deep in thought. In fact, she felt as if she were a million miles away. Usually, English was one of her favorite classes. She loved her teacher, Roger Collins, who was also the faculty advisor for the Oracle. He was demanding but fair, and one of the best liked teachers in the school. Um, so it's not really very sexy. <laughs> she should have an affair with him. A hundred percent. I was just going to say, do we all feel that she needs to end up with Mr. Collins oh, in the oh end God. after she's old enough? I don't oh think gosh. that they can put those in the Sweet Valley. You mean like Valley. in the future? Like in the sure. future. I actually, like, I Oh yeah, that. like like in the Sweet Valley University. She goes away. She's an English major. She comes back okay. on spring break. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. And then he hits on her in a bar. All right, I take back my ew, except for that part I don't love. I don't but want to hit on her in a bar. She, yeah. she wouldn't go to a bar. <laughs> she wouldn't go to a bar They go to like a book reading there's like an author reading their own Elizabeth. book and they meet each other up, they meet up with each other <laughs> okay summer Elizabeth she's a, prude. Well, she's a total prude this, in this book Elizabeth is hard to, I mean, you can she's s- hard to like in this book because she she makes a lot of weird choices and she's making them from a place that you can relate to right she's, she's mm-hmm. in this place of like being she's so disillusioned with love like her parents love is shattered and her family her family the way this book like evokes the like solidity of family and how having that rocked is really life-shattering especially for a teenager oh my god i i thought that was that was very true but yeah. she, she uses it to make a series of really like illogical and hard to understand choices she breaks up with todd her boyfriend Which seems no like sense. a nice fella. She won't tell him why. She's not communicating, and that's very un-Elizabeth. She's usually the over-communicator. I think Todd's probably gay, though. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's way too sensitive he for does a teenager have... and way too communicative. He's very mature for a very teenager. Very mature. Yeah. He does have a line um, where they're trying to plan a costume for a costume party. He says, hey, have you given any thought to who we should dress up as for the party? He asked Elizabeth, how about Bonnie and Clyde? I could wear a fedora and try to look dangerous. Yeah, I, that's where I I got it, right from that line. Come on. Come on, Todd, you're not fooling anybody. Oh Thinks goodness. way too much about costumes. 
Um, well, and we didn't get any like passionate kisses between them no. uh, in this one. Sometimes we so, get So, Summer, you don't know this. These are usually very tawdry. <laughs> Jessica usually makes out with somebody and it's like descriptive. Oh. Or Lila does. Or Amy Sutton did in her, in, in, in we, when we were introduced oh to Amy in her like section of books. You guys gave me the tame book. And no, I'm... these are the tame ones when it comes to the sex in, in these. But there is so much... Way to give a 44-year-old horny divorcee the tame book, guys. <laughs> hey, I, I have not pre-read them. so But the, yeah, it's all about emotions. Sorry. This one's, a, this one's an emotional, emotional It's all about disillusionment with love, and I totally get it. <laughs> no, I like the divorce like through line, too, because I'm like, yeah. Um, there is, I mean, if we're looking for something a little tawdry, there is a brief uh, moment where we could talk about boys. Oh, 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 a beautiful boy. It comes late in the book. Um, this is going back to Jessica's storyline. She has a sexy boy that comes to. She ha- she hand- plans a date with Charlie, right? The Her friends. Catfish. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a handsome catfish is happening. <laughs> yes. she she plans this date with Charlie Ryan. She like basically forces him to say yes, mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, I guess. And what is that? She, wait, wait, he wait, 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 wait. I want to point out. I don't think it's terrible that she forced him because, no. very honestly, like that is a logical next step. Like, are you going to be meeting each other? Absolutely. Or you, I agree. I agree. Can okay. they not drive? I mean, hello, he's only in the next town over. No, I totally yeah. agree. So, so what you I said it like, I mean she is, like forced him. You're right, like, you're right. Wait, what I mean to say a is relationship a reasonable thing for weeks to do. now. Yes. <laughs> she gave him an ultimatum. Is I, I love that Summer and I both yes. just like ganged up on Marissa. Like, <laughs> how dare you, Marissa? Come on, Charlie, man up. No, I totally, I, she gave him an ultimatum because she was being teased by her friends. Yes, that but is a poor reason to do it. I do but, agree yeah. that it, it was. it's weird that he wouldn't meet her. And she really likes how funny he is. Like, she likes his personality. And she's sure he's handsome. And she wants to make sure he's not a catfish, like a dad, like or like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> I actually don't that, think that thought ever goes through her head, but she should want to know that. She's, really, she's worried. She he, really she should. She, for a moment, like because her friends are saying, I think he might not be yeah, attractive. Is, oh, right. I know. That he might. That, like, not some, some old man would be on the teen party line because they totally would be. Yes, of I mean, course they were. I'm sure they, that that oh, happened yeah. in the 90s. Of this course is, it did. And this is pre, like, social media and the internet and everything and then you know that's where they're gonna be and what's the pedophile catching tv show what's it called to catch a predator predator. (laughs) (laughs) and that's before to catch a predator like all of these things oh yeah yeah for sure uh so here's the description of charlie ryan question mark who comes to meet her at the skating rink which is where their date is Mm -hmm. um jessica has fallen down because a child ran into her as she struggled to her feet Jessica tried to get a good look at him without being too obvious. He was tall, about six feet two, with fairly thick, sandy blonde hair. His face was classically handsome, almost too handsome, with chiseled features and very smooth skin. He had dark eyes and a perfect smile, and he was dressed in clothes that Jessica definitely approved of. Jeans and a trendy sweater. God, that's sexy. So why did she feel strangely disappointed? 
Because he was too handsome. He's That's too, right, yeah. girl. Don't trust him when they're too handsome. That's the problem with L.A. She knows. Plus, there's been books in the past where she's fallen for the guy because he's so handsome. Yeah. He turns out to be abusive or rapey or uh, any I love the idea that she's learning some kind of lesson. <laughs> no, she's not at all. It's really just like, he dumb, you know? He like, real dumb. Um, he dumb. He can't hold a conversation. Yeah. So yeah, she's like, why are you? And she knows he's not. In her heart. She's following her woman's intuition, which means she knows that he's a catfish. Yeah, Summer, you're giving way too much credit to Jessica on this. I know mm. you really like love Jessica in this book. <laughs> yeah. She's far more interesting than Elizabeth is in this book. Um, you read some more and you go, Jessica, what, 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 mm. what are you thinking? Well, so this is a full-on Cyrano de Bergerac, though. It is. Because it is. I, yeah. So I was on a plane recently, and I was able to watch like the first part <gasps> oh, of the Oh, you're going to say, you've been Cyrano de Bergerac. And I was like, oh my God, I want to hear about it. No, you just watched on the movie. On a plane? <laughs> yes, why not? I was on a plane recently, and there was somebody next to me who I had my eyes closed, but I heard his voice. No, but I meant like maybe somebody on the plane saw you and was like, oh, she's so cute, but I can't talk to her and had his friend go talk to you instead and was like texting him things to say to you and was like clever and wonderful. And you're like, this is great. That's what I thought you meant. I love that. that I love your fantasy of my life. I love that book, guys. That's amazing. (laughs) I did have a conversation with a young man on one of the airplanes. Um, He told me about how he wanted to be a commercial airline pilot when he was I'm going to be honest, the way you just said young man made it sound like he was a child. <laughs> like, he might as a well conversation have been a 15-year-old boy. He was in college. A young he man. Might as well have been, he might as well have been. I have a, to say, though, I am very disappointed in Francine for this, because I really would have liked him to be a 50-year-old man. I mean, <laughs> I really would have liked Jessica That's, to have learned a yeah. big hard lesson about... <laughs> She's learned some hard... Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. She's never learned her lesson. She's been through some lesson learning situations that are big and hard. Okay. Yes. But okay. she never learns. So lesson. I just got to say, because I brought it up, yeah. to, just to close this loop, I oh, watched right. the first part of the new Cyrano oh, movie. Yeah, sorry. I watched most of it. And <laughs> yes. there's a whole, th- this is exactly what happens. It's like the handsome guy goes to talk, goes to actually meet her in person. And she's like, uh, what happened to how cool you were on the phone? I mean, on the phone. <laughs> what happened Wait, to how I was like, wow, 1600. <laughs> what happened to how great you were in your letters like now you sound like an idiot and then the actual Cyrano has to come in and clean up after the handsome guy's mess because he's so stupid when he goes to talk to her yeah. so it's really it's very much following this this so uh, Cyrano yeah. yes yes yeah. that's so Cyrano so I love Cyrano. all the Cyranos I'm sure I'll love this one <laughs> <laughs> oh this is an, uh, and uh, who who's to blame is another Cyrano to love uh, yes true um since we're talking about Jessica we'll go back to Elizabeth's thing but since we're talking about Jessica's whole Charlie Ryan plot line mm-hmm. um, she does end up going on a second date with him right he's no better than in the first mm-hmm. and she's like you know what it's not gonna work between us bud like you're not interesting enough I love how like his voice is different and like she <laughs> she still doesn't, she get, doesn't it. get it yeah. yeah she calls the party line again right yeah yeah and talks to Sarah who was the girl she was competing with before, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And apparently Charlie's been telling Sarah all the details about about what's going on with him and Jessica. Somebody this wants- makes no sense to me, to be perfectly honest. Just from her being the competition before now turning into a best friend buddy well, with Charlie. I just have to say, is Sarah made of money? How is she always on the party line? And <laughs> Charlie, are they millionaires? The <laughs> Maybe she's the one that's employed by the party line. Right? Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> 
but that actually does imply that Charlie, in addition to having these side phone calls with Jessica, is also still calling still the calling party line yes. all the time. Ooh, but Charlie. turns out that this guy that Jessica's met a few times is actually somebody named Brooke. His name is Brooke. It sounds like he's definitely a Brooke. <laughs> but what? Yeah. I've never met a man named Brooke. Oh, it's like I have. I ever. just feel like that's a very 90s preppy name. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Wow. yeah. I've never, I've never met one either, but I feel like it's... <laughs> I feel like it exists. <laughs> I have I have met a na- man named Brooke. Okay. I've never um, met an Enid either. Oh, <laughs> and that's in the I book. have met an Enid. Really? Yeah. Pretty cool name. Uh, and before I met her, I thought it was Enid. Oh, it might be. No, it's Enid. Oh, okay. It's, it's definitely Never Enid. met one. <laughs> before I met her, when I was, when I was, I just went away from the microphone. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Before I met her and I was reading Sweet Valley Twins and I was sure that it was Enid. Mm. I was very wrong. Before you met the person that you know named Enid. Exactly. Okay. Well, Enid. I've never met the Sweet Valley Twins, Enid, because she's not real. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I just want to clarify. Before you met Enid yes. Rollins, you thought it was Enid Rollins. Okay. So, speaking of Enid Rollins, she actually plays an important role here. She's mm. really kind of trying to get Elizabeth to, like, explain any of her choices. Like, right? hey, I love you, buddy, but... You're being cray. Yeah. And, like... Talk about her feelings. And yes. Enid's parents are divorced, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but so El- that would be a perfect person to talk to about yeah. this whole situation because literally she just went through all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth definitely like she even though she feels like so bad about what's happening with her parents, she doesn't want to engage with those feelings at all. And I think that leads to this sort of like blankness. Like it's fascinating to read the description of her her like coldness with breaking up with Todd and how she's like, oh, I should feel something, but I don't feel anything. I don't really feel anything about anything right now, you know? She's like numb to the world. Yeah. And she... It's like, that's a coping mechanism for sure. Yeah. That your body just sort of numbs out. And when she's staring into space and like not answering the questions on the test about... Othello, which is like directly about a relation, like why is love so fragile? Like what happened between Othello and Desdemona? It's like literally the question. Yeah, and she should like go up to Mr. Collins and be like, "Hey, this is what's going on," and then her problem would be solved. But instead, she's like, "I'll try harder." But she just feels like she's she's getting. I mean, she is not. She's like missing in an interview for the Oracle that she's supposed to do. She's letting. She's not like she's breaking dates with Todd, but and she's just like forgetting about stuff so these are the actual life things that happen i don't know if francine pascal rick did her research but these are the actual life things that happen when you go through major depression you stop sleeping and Mm -hmm. then that starts to create um in your in your brain sort of an alternate scenario reality for you because you can't you're not thinking straight right Mm -hmm. and in addition to that you stop like when you're depressed, you don't want to do the things that usually you enjoy, like Todd. She mm-hmm. really enjoys doing Todd, and she's not doing him anymore. She just—I don't think they've ever had sex. That's because he's gay. But <laughs> I'm going with that now. Summer it makes perfect sense. It makes so much sense. They've been together as long as they have. Um, but anyway, so I mean, so like she's not doing the things she loves doing. She's uh, feeling numb to the world. She's withdrawing from things she loves, like her articles and the, you know, all the stuff that she loves to write. And she is her favorite teacher, like she would usually be responsive to him and she's not. Mm-hmm. She would share things yep. with him. She's shutting down. She's doing very un-Elizabeth-like things. She's usually very communicative, the one making the smarter choices, the logical choices, the, you know, all the things that we know Elizabeth to be, the hard worker, the one who cares about everybody else and makes sure everyone's okay. Like she's that person and she's not any of that in this. And it even describes her feeling of like when she no longer has 
to do whatever like she was supposed to have to go out on this date with Todd she knows in her head that it'll be really fun but as soon as she breaks the date instead of feeling bad that she's missing out or that she's letting him down she just feels relieved because she doesn't Mm. have to do it because she gets to go home and I was just like oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) I recognize that as well yeah yeah. girls depressed Mm -hmm. so she's exhibiting all the signs Mm -hmm. and signs of lack of sleep as well the poor judgment and Mm -hmm. the and which we described also that she's not getting enough sleep she's staying up at night thinking about how it's her fault that she sleeps through a whole I'm I'm not sleep she wakes through a whole night like she's like as the alarm's gonna go off or whatever she talks about how as the wee hours of the morning are finishing she starts to think about something else Mm. so she doesn't sleep at all Mm -hmm. it's worrisome for dear Elizabeth yeah yes and do her parents care this is a great question they don't even really like how about her teacher? To the extent that people notice that there's something wrong with her, they don't, like, push it, really. Like, I mean, people tell her she looks tired. People tell her she looks bad. Jessica tells her she looks bad. When Elizabeth breaks up with Todd, she doesn't tell anybody at first. Jessica finds out about it. And Jessica is always like, oh, good, you should play the field. And mm-hmm. she straight up tells Elizabeth that. Elizabeth's like, yeah, you know what? I am going to do that. Like, might as well. Like, that's where the intro sentence came from. She's like, you know, I don't believe in love anymore. I know that the great authors and poets would tell me that it's worth fighting for. But you know what? I don't want to get hurt again. So uh, maybe I should be I like Jessica. That. I hear that. <laughs> that's actually a very Bridgerton thing. Definitely a, like a romance I, novel trope, especially for male characters. I don't want to ever hurt someone the way like, I'm hurting. Or yes. The way I've seen people that I love hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be vulnerable. It is. Like, I identified with that where she was like, I I know what I am feeling, but I just don't want to tell anybody. Like, yeah. you just don't want, like, you just don't feel like you want to tell also, anyone. There's, I've, I've also found this, you know, when you're going through a lot of hard stuff, there's the exhaustion of having told a lot of people already or already oh, talked yes. it out. And you're like, I just don't want to go through that again in my brain. I yep. don't want to, like, you just don't want to. Even if you would feel better afterwards, you're just like, mm-hmm. I, I just... I don't, I can't, yeah. you know? I think she's going through that too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That And that that is, um, I mean, she's not the one getting divorced, obviously, but like that just that's just sort of the aftermath that happens yeah. in the wake of a divorce is everybody's affected in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was surprising to me that Elizabeth, of all the kids, felt it was her fault because usually she is so logical. Yeah, but it so is. So that's what's so hard is for me to read Elizabeth, who I find very boring usually to to read as well. <laughs> you guys are killing me. I'm sorry. But I mean, the... I'm an Elizabeth, so it's fine. But <laughs> no, no, I know. I totally know what you mean. But um, the, the, I mean, I think that's an interesting point because when we finally get pretty deep into the book, even as numb and bad as Elizabeth is feeling, she has been holding on to this idea that like I feel guilty but I know it can't really be my fault Enid said it's not my fault I'm sure she's right I'm sure she's right then she walks in at a certain point to Jessica to Jessica and Stephen now even though Jessica has straight up told Elizabeth to like play the field and Elizabeth is like just doing the thing Jessica has always told her to do Jessica's now like she got mistaken for Elizabeth by one of these guys that the cute guys yeah, yeah and like she feels like Elizabeth is getting the attention that Jessica usually gets and she doesn't like it. Jessica has her own bad feelings that she's not really talking about or admitting to herself. Um, And Jessica's like the person that's kind of more team dad, whereas 
Stephen and Elizabeth are a little bit less team dad. I feel like Stephen is not team dad at all. I think he, he's very team mom. I think Elizabeth's pretty in the middle of yeah. both. Well, She's Stephen like both is like mad at dad for his choices, I think. Yeah, like yeah. even the uh, Ned's running for mayor. It's like sounds a little bit like just weird. He, it sounds like Ned's going through a midlife crisis. Yeah, oh, you for got sure. It. And yep. You read that mm-hmm. between the lines of this book, and that is totally, totally mm-hmm. not between the lines of the fir- of the previous, of the previous oh, book. Okay. It's yeah. very clear, and you yeah. got it just in the mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. But, but let's. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of tension and arguing in this book, but there is a scene where it comes to a head. Oh. And so I, I, since I have two amazing actors oh. with me, I thought maybe we could uh, read it together. Right. Okay. Can I request a character to read? Of course. I'm okay if you guys have requests. <laughs> no. I kind of want to read Elizabeth. I want to feel her feels. <laughs> okay, that's great. Okay, so who am I reading? Um, why don't you be Jessica? Where do you think you get off, Stephen? The anger in the room was mounting unbearably. But instead of feeling upset, Jessica was almost glad. It felt good to finally express what she had been thinking. It's the two of you who are both acting like six-year-olds. Steve, you jumped all over at Jess, and Jess, you do the same to him. Can't we at least try to pretend to be a family since we're all we have left? Jessica turned to her brother. See? There she goes again. I can't stand it. You think she never made a mistake in her whole life. I may have made mistakes, but but not big ones. Jessica finished for her mockingly. She turned back to her brother. See what I mean? Jessica's right, Liz, Stephen agreed, shaking his head. You shouldn't sound so self-righteous. Who's sounding self-righteous? You are. You are. Elizabeth's face turned red with anger. Cut it out. I don't want to hear another accusation. No one's accusing you. In fact, we've been covering up your mistakes for weeks. No one ever mentions the fact that you're the one who gave our phone number at Lake Tahoe to Mom's assistant. You're the one who wrecked the weekend for all of us. If it weren't for you, Mom and Dad would probably still be together. Shocked silence filled the air. For a minute, no one said anything. Stephen turned to Elizabeth, a puzzled frown on his face. Did you really do that? Why would you have given the phone number to Julia? Didn't Mom and Dad say they didn't want to be disturbed? I, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I had no idea. You just didn't think. And it's thoughtless acts like that one that can destroy a family. <laughs> Stephen was still staring at Elizabeth. Well, I'm sure that wasn't such a big factor, Jess. Uh, Mom and Dad didn't split up because of that weekend. It, it isn't fair to make Liz feel rotten about it. But that's my point. Nobody makes her feel rotten about it. Everyone acts like it didn't matter when the truth is, it did. Look at poor Daddy. Here, he'd gone to all that trouble to make sure the weekend was as great as it has always been, and Mom got dragged away practically as soon as we arrived. All because of you. Elizabeth shuddered. Was it my fault? I I didn't know that anyone from the office would actually call. I had no idea Mom would have to leave early. Sure. Tell yourself whatever you want, but look at what happened. Mom left Tahoe, and she and Dad decided to split up. Just like that. The whole marriage was over. So don't go acting so perfect, Liz. You're the one who's to blame for this whole stupid mess. Jessica hadn't realized it, but during the fight, she'd been getting closer and closer to tears. Suddenly, she burst out crying. (laughs) She couldn't stop herself. She had finally said everything she wanted to say. Stephen looked from one twin to the other. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) She's ruined everything. (sighs) Jessica gasped as her brother put his arm around her shoulder to comfort her. 
Neither of them even noticed when a few seconds later, Elizabeth turned and fled. All right, and scene. <gasps> wow, <laughs> scene. That is some major drums. Yeah, <laughs> drums. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I thought like the the subtitle of this book, Elizabeth is running away. Yeah. Good but cold like, read, everyone. By the way, good cold <laughs> read. Good work, guys. Yeah. Good work. Here we are, all the way toward the end of the book, and it's like that hasn't happened. Nothing even remotely like that has happened. But now, mm, finally, no. Elizabeth is like. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, because then she's in English class and she doesn't answer yeah, her test. What's, what's interesting to me is that she's then at dinner. I thought she was going to be gone. But then yeah. she comes to dinner with them and she clearly spends the night in the house and she goes to school the next yeah, day. Yeah, that's weird. And then she's like, I got to get out of Sweet Valley. It doesn't matter if I don't pass my test because I'm never coming back here again. But then almost immediately, <laughs> Enid must- is like, hey, don't run away. That's stupid. Um, why don't you come stay at my house? And yeah. Elizabeth's like, really? Really? You mean it? You're my best friend. And so Enid like forces Elizabeth to write a letter to both of her parents, her family. Because she was going to go to Texas or something like that. (laughs) And not tell anybody either. Texas. And she writes this letter to them. Here's the letter that Elizabeth writes to her family. Dear mom, dad, Jessica, and Stephen, I want you to know how sorry I am for what's happened. I know I'm to blame for everything. I don't feel right living at home now, as you can probably understand. But please don't worry about me. I'm staying with a friend, and I'm absolutely fine. I promise I'll call you as soon as I feel ready. I love you all. And again, I'm so, so sorry. Love, Elizabeth. (sighs) Trauma queen. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so here's my issues with this. As a mom now, because I now have a child, I would be in terror mode if I got a letter like this from my child and they are of course i don't know why enid doesn't force her to say where she i don't know why she didn't just the mom just doesn't drive over to the house where she can't get through on the phone yeah i probably would have at that point like just driving to all her friends houses in in fairness to enid enid does say immediately after this letter don't you want to tell them where the who the friend is it's really going to upset them if they don't know exactly where you are she's trying to respect her friend's yeah decision on this but Seriously, my brain is like, as I was reading this, I was like, you can't do this to well, your parents. Yeah, and then you get in don't trouble. Do this to your Elizabeth parents. also, like, they call Enid right away because, like, of course that's going to be their first guess. Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth has taken the phone off the hook and yes. nobody knows until the next morning. I but love then, that nobody was getting a call. Yeah. But the next morning, uh, Alice is already there to pick Elizabeth up. <laughs> like, she has one night off from her family and she's like, you know what? I remember how much I love them. Maybe she was just, res- she knew and she just was like, I'll come get her tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe. Well, her family, the I family the with, night. I mean, Elizabeth's action, whatever her reasons were for taking it, it did have the intended effect, indirectly the intended effect. Because Elizabeth is just trying, like, my family will be better off without me. But her leaving like forces the conversation about it being Elizabeth's fault or whatever into the fore. It forces the family mm-hmm. together to it be forces like, communication yeah. to go. We have not been communicating. We've been acting like spoiled brats, and, and all. that's what Alice says. Yeah. So yeah, 
So, but then, you're right; it is indirectly what she wants. I mean, what she wanted is her parents to come together and talk, and the family to be better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it does happen indirectly, mm-hmm. which is a terrible lesson to teach kids. You run away, and everything you want will come true. Well, speaking of terrible <laughs> lessons, that's a good point. Speaking of terrible lessons, how about the lesson of the final Todd and Elizabeth thing? I'm sorry, the res- the resolution of Elizabeth I having broken up with Todd. Hate whenever the twins try to be each other, unless it's to trick someone for the worse. I think that's good when they're trying to do something good and they're doing. It, doing it to a good person, it angers me when they try to pretend to be the other one. That how angers can me anyone, so much. How can they pull that off? There's no. Did you ever have identical twins at your school? They're, yes, they don't look identical no. once you know them. No, once you, and once the boy, the boyfriend is not going to be able to tell. No, it's such yes, a device. Of course, you would tell. <laughs> Jessica is like ropes Stephen into this scheme. She's like Elizabeth feels like she can't get back together with Todd because. Uh, she doesn't think that Todd loves her anymore. And so, also that she wouldn't want to hurt him if anything actually happened. And so she's afraid that she would be forcing him. Right? Isn't that like all a thing? Or maybe that's Yeah, but I don't think that Jessica knows all of that. Oh, yeah. That's true. So Jessica like looks at what Elizabeth's wearing and like puts on the exact outfit and hairstyle and then ropes Stephen into bringing Liz to Seca Lake where she's invited Todd and is pretending to be Elizabeth to say, Todd, I'm sorry we broke up. And she even thinks to herself like, I don't have any details. Yeah. Yeah. I should have asked Elizabeth some more questions about the circumstances of their breakup because I don't really have much to work with here. But, you know, Elizabeth is hard, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth over here is Todd saying how much he loves her and how happy he is to get back together with her. And so Jessica's like, oh, I got to get something in my car real quick. And then runs Steven, behind a tree. Yeah, and then Stephen's like, OK, go, Liz, go, go. You're in, you're in, you're up. And Elizabeth is now she's in her place. And Todd is none the wiser. Yeah. <laughs> now I they're back together. Such BS on that. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because they just had this other switcheroo plot with Charlie Ryan and his friend Brooke. Yes. No can, lessons have been, le- have been it, learned. Like, to close things up here, I guess oh, yeah. we should resolve that for oh, the yes. gladiators as well. So Jessica is feeling as though... Um, She's found out through Sarah on the party line that Charlie thinks he's a troll. <laughs> Basically, yeah. He's just not attractive enough for Jessica. She's just too pretty for Who him. Who he's never seen, but he just knows from her he voice just knows. that she's beautiful. Well, he knows now he knows because now Brooke's yeah. met her. Yeah. 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 So, oh, by the way, I want to say, I have met a boy named Brooks, not Brooke. I just want to point that out. I met someone Brooke named Brooks. Brooks. It's oh, Brooke. Okay. I've never met a boy named Brooke, just Brooks. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> so now she's going, well... I still really want to meet him and I want to decide for myself if he's attractive enough. So at this costume party, I'm going to invite Brooke and ask Charlie to be a date for Amy since Amy doesn't have a date. And then I'll get to see and they'll both be pining after me and trying to get my attention. And so I'll have all the attention of both boys and we'll get to decide who I really want to be with. But she tells Charlie to his, I mean, on the party or whatever, on the phone. That not the party line because she's not doing that anymore. Yeah. Right. She only right. called it that one time to get the scoop from Sarah. Yeah. Um, but she tells him her plan, so it's like doesn't. But mean- did, she doesn't tell him the side of where she hopes that he'll still be interested in her. Right. And that like she's, she's trying hoping, to yeah. judge him. I right. think she's enough. hedging her bets in case he's ugly. Yeah. It's, but there is an interesting. Oh, let me see if I can find it. There is such an interesting thing where she tells. Uh, Earlier, earlier on, mm. Amy calls her out on like, he's probably just like afraid he's not going to be hot enough for you, Jess. And Jessica says... 
to tell you the truth, I would have liked it better if he was a little less good looking and had a little more personality. This is before she knows yes. that Brooke is Brooke. I've never heard anything like that come out of Jessica's right? mouth, by the way. This is the most well, sense Jessica's ever made so in her life. So Amy says, Amy giggled, <laughs> yeah, I bet. You've never gone out once with a guy who wasn't cute. That's a rotten thing to say, Jessica snapped. I just happen to go out with guys I like. If I ever like a guy who isn't cute, I'll go out with him. Well, I think they're setting up a much larger storyline for Charlie. Perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps in the next book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it turns out that Charlie's actually not particularly unattractive either. Yeah. No, he seems to be quite handsome. He's just maybe well, like unconventionally say, good yeah. looking. Yeah. They wouldn't, didn't say he was. I like tall, skinny guys. He's like tall and thin and. They didn't say, did they say handsome? They're not handsome, but he's good looking. Like Elizabeth compliments that he's like attractive. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a nice looking pirate is yes. how his pirate Does co- he only have one eye? <laughs> well, <laughs> he's in a costume. He's in or a is costume. he drunk? Is he drunk? What if he, what if he still only has, he wears the <laughs> okay. patch all the time? Here's, here's Charlie Ryan. True, he wasn't classically handsome. He had a bumpy nose, he was a little too thin, and his eyes were spaced too close together. But there was something very appealing that about it. That does not sound very attractive. No, it's not <laughs> like, It also sounds like a description of like Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, so he true, could definitely true. Be handsome. Yeah. And especially like uh, when I see Timothy Chalamet in still pictures, I'm like, uh, I don't get it. And then I see him act, and I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I totally I mean, get listen, it. I think Steve Buscemi is like the hottest guy that's ever walked the face of the earth. To me, so, and I don't know if it's just obvious, but like as soon as they start talking, they can be far more or far less attractive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like Jessica might be learning that in this and then we'll forget it in a future experience. But like, I think that this is an important thing to to take note of for Jessica. Yeah. That like it shouldn't be that about- or it's a lo- on again, off again, long term thing. And then she's going to like end up with Charlie. I don't know. I think that would be great. I love that for Jessica. I like she's finally like showing some like well-roundedness and like being a good human. like human, having some depth of character. Yeah. Depth of character is what she would show with. But that's what I really mean by like that's yeah. like the most sense that Jessica's ever made. I wish she'd been a little less attractive and more interesting. Like yeah, yeah. that's depth of character I, for sure. I still wish that it, she had been catfished way harder though. <laughs> For a more interesting Such book, a good and book. then like kidnapped and <laughs> held against her will. Okay, that's that'll like a, probably that's happen book. pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, it, they're, uh, they're overdue <laughs> for a kidnapping. Yeah. yeah, they haven't happened in a while. Oh shit! Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Summer, Rebecca, let's come back in a moment, and we can talk a little bit more about. Uh, running away from home as a teenager, something like that. But um, it has been uh, delightful to have you on. I need to ask you a question. I think that we may already have the answer to Summer, which is, um, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? You know, it's tough. I think I might be a little bit of both. Probably more an Elizabeth, which is why I don't like her. Oh, okay. That was not what I was expecting. I I thought you were going to say you were a Jessica. Because I feel like this is the most reasonable Jessica's ever been in any of the books I've ever read. (laughs) Maybe I'm a Jessica. And so I feel like in this book, I could see you as a Jessica. Mm. But in life, I know what you mean. But Mm -hmm. in like like the rest of the realm of the Jessicas and the Elizabeths. Maybe like an Amy. Is it? That the that's no, that's the friend. Yeah, you're an Alice. Mrs. What's her, Mrs. Wakefield. So that's yeah, why yeah. Alice Wakefield. Okay, I think no. I think being a little bit of a Elizabeth and a little bit of Jessica is definitely a good way to get like a whole person, a whole real person, <laughs> a real yeah. personality. Yeah. Um, I'm a Todd. 
<laughs> I want to be Charlie. Um, you the sexy would, voice. You would totally pull off a fedora and looking a little dangerous. Thank you. <laughs> and be gay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever. The last thing that happens in the book is just a tease for the next book, which is Jessica, her reaction to like being ignored by the boys is that she's like doubling down. At this costume party, the boys end up both paying attention to Amy and Jessica's left alone. Right. And so in like the closing moments of the book, yeah. she's like sworn off boys for, you know, for the next 150 pages or whatever. And <laughs> Uh, she is going to really be passionate about getting her father elected mayor, uh, partly because when she's the daughter of the mayor of Sweet Valley, like boys will not be able to ignore her ever again. Oh so let's let's tease the gladiators for the next book. All right. Okay. Will Mr. Wakefield really be elected mayor of Sweet Valley? Find out in Sweet Valley High number sixty-seven, the parent plot. All right. Looking forward to it. We'll be back next week. Um, Gladiators, remember that you can uh, follow along with Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. And that's a good place to see like pictures of the cover, like uh, this little medallion that says, be the next Sweet Valley Reader of the Month. Tell a friend about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sweet Valley. And uh, remember, if you're trying to run away from home, maybe don't just stay over at your best friend's house. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having us, Marissa. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Battery. I always wanted to be um, a voice on NPR. That's something I've always wanted to do. You have to sound, if you want to be on NPR, you have to be sucking a lozenge at the same time. <laughs> oh, so just, I feel like they are always like, hello. <laughs> I actually, so occasionally now for my new job, we have one show that's also broadcast on, on NPR. Yeah. And I a couple times have gotten to read what's called Traffic, which only airs <gasps> when it's airing on on the radio, actual radio. You get to read something for NPR? Yeah, so I get to say, like, this show is is sponsored in part by the <gasps> Annenberg Foundation. Oh, And my then God. the best part of it is that at the end of recording it, I get to say, this is NPR. <laughs> Rebecca's fantasy I mean, honestly, right me too. Every time I do it, I, like, stand up. Like, I'm voice acting. Nobody asked me to do this. But I, like, stand up, yes. and I... Um, so and I have the biggest smile on my face, honestly. Yes, this do it is right, NPR. Girl. Do it right. <laughs> yeah. But not just to do it right, also just because I'm happy that I'm getting to say this is that NPR. Is when I'm literally so like in my bedroom, cool, like it's stupid. Yeah. Thank you. Please know every time you're doing that, you are living part of my dream. And like that's really freaking cool, man. Thank you. Thank so you for like, your support. Feel free to think of me every single time you're you do such it. a supportive friend. <laughs> I should come stay at your house when I want to get away from my family. <laughs>